everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Light Bulb Factory, conversation centered on the church becoming the light of the world. We are back with another discussion episode. I've uh, got Clay Domini with me again. How are you doing, Clay? Hey, hey, what's popping, y'all? And we also have a special guest with us today, Madison Grace McNeese. Madison Grace, how are you? Doing well. Good, good, good. So, Madison Grace, tell us a little bit about yourself in case people don't know. Yes. So, Madison Grace is my full first name. It is mm-hmm. a mouthful, very Southern. Do you also um, have a middle name? Like, in I top do of have it? a middle name. What's your middle name? So, it's O'Neill. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so saying my full name, Madison Grace O'Neill McNeese, is a mouthful. It's two capital letters in like every portion of my name. Wow. Yeah, my parents were bougie that day. It was, <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> so um, when when married, you know, if you if you change your name, you should just keep it all. You I know, think just I add another one. How fun would oh, that no. be? Yeah, like McNeese, yeah, yeah. whatever. Just, I hope it's some, a really long, complicated <laughs> last name. You know, I, just, think so. yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Madison Grace O'Neill McNeese Stephanopoulos. <laughs> yes, yes, that's what I want to do. <laughs> uh, okay, sorry, I cut you off. Other yeah, than, your, than your name, yeah. <laughs> anything else you want to share? Yeah, so I, <clears throat> I'm a sophomore at Baylor University, and I am a religion major, museum studies minor. Um, that consumes a lot of my time, um, yeah. but I enjoy reading, cooking, that kind of stuff. Cool. What do you like to cook? Really anything. Yeah. yeah. I really like desserts. I have a big sweet tooth. So Ooh. most times I just enjoy, I guess it's more baking, but yeah. I'll, I'll do anything. Have you tried making a sourdough starter? You know, I have not. I'm gluten-free. Oh, so well, yeah. do it. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> that is a good segue, though, because we're already talking about food, which is indeed the topic uh, for today. Uh, so our practice for today. Yes, our practice this week that we want to get into is eating one meal, at least one meal per week with other people. We believe this is vital to our spiritual health, both as individuals and as a community. Right. So we're going through right now this series on like a rule of life and talking about uh, the different practices that can help us grow up in our faith into the way of Christ. And uh, the first, this is actually the last one of sort of our first circle. So uh, we're thinking about these in three sets of threes. And so the first set is about belonging and community. So it's uh, we've you've heard about um, building up the body, uh, how we all belong to the church and we have something to contribute. Uh, how we've heard about befriending a family and kind of intergenerational relationships and the value of that. And then today, uh, the idea of kind of friendship and uh, connecting over food and the relationships that are built there and lots of things come from that. So we're excited to to uh, jump into it. So I guess maybe first question would just be. Um, why do you think this is an important practice for college students, this idea of having a meal at least once a week with others? Um, I personally think it provides like a nice break in the day. I think yeah. as college students, it's easy to sit at my desk, go get, go get a to-go box, and then watch a little bit of Netflix or whatever I'm doing and not really leave my desk, not really leave my room, but having a meal with others gets me out, gets me a break in the day. Um, it provides like social interaction besides what just takes place in the classroom. Uh, so I think, I guess a well-rounded student, I think it creates. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think also it's important because I think eating by yourself or at least eating every meal by yourself kind of overlooks the nature of what food is, what meals are, and why why we have them. I don't know if you ever look up any recipe online, but every single time you make one, it's servings for like four to six people, which mm. is way too much for for me to eat whenever I cook food. But the idea, 
we talked about nascent beliefs in our first episode on the Rule of Life podcast. The nascent belief behind um, eating food by ourselves or not eating food in community with others is that food really is just fuel. It's just something that I need to get through the day. It's not a time where I sit and stop and talk with others. And it kind of individualizes the way we look at look at the meal. Yeah, yeah. So this individual kind of meal thing is something that you both kind of brought up. Um, so I have a question. Um, do you think, um, well, I, I'm wondering if even in the years since, you know, I was a student up until now, it seems like maybe uh, the to-go meal has become a bigger and bigger thing in our culture at large, but also maybe especially on college campuses. I think of, uh, I've just noticed uh, anecdotally that it seems like drive throughs are a lot more popular than they used to be. I mean, maybe they've always been there, but but then like contactless pickup, you know, and Uber Eats and things like that, you know, mm-hmm. there you go. Um, and so it just seems like we have so many ways of like getting food that are all organized around not being with other people that are organized around convenience. Um, and I think that even to see like, you know, dining halls at Baylor seem to be going sort of the same way of like, is it, there's always been to-go boxes, but I, but I, my observation is it seems like maybe a lot more people are using them than they used to. So um, I don't know. So I guess maybe my question here is like, how common is the temptation to eat alone on uh, on your campus? You- I I would say for me in my life, living off campus, eating by myself happens um, not necessarily because I actively choose to do it, but just because it's the rhythm that I've fallen into. It's the path of least resistance. Um, if my schedule doesn't align with other people or if they're busy and they can't make dinner or lunch or breakfast, well, I'm not skipping a meal just to wait for them. Um, I'm going to go ahead and eat and make my plans. And so I think it's less, um, it's less an active choice not to eat with others. It's just the most convenient path, especially Mm -hmm. as a, maybe as like a freshman or a sophomore as a new student, if you don't know any other people, it's much easier to, to just take your meal and go back to your room and sit down and, and find people and just interject yourself into a conversation. Hmm. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I probably would agree. Um, mostly with that. And I think also part of it is what I think that my time allows. I not necessarily when I think about my day, I don't always think that I have time for two or three, you know, hour long, 30 minute long meals with people. Um, so when I feel my fast paced schedule picking up, it's just so much easier. And I know that other people do it too. It's easier just to grab a to-go box, watch or, you know, read or whatever, do be productive, um, yeah. during 15 minutes instead of 30 or an hour minute. Or, sure. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah, and uh, so the words I'm hearing are like convenience and, and busyness, you know, um, and, and it does, certainly does take effort to like go about this practice of meeting with others. You have, to, you, have to, you have to plan it, you have to organize it. Although it's interesting, you don't have to cook it if you have a meal plan. Uh, and that's one thing that I think if you, once you get beyond the college or meal plan days, like there's that extra layer of complexity. So at least that's, that part's taken care of for you, you know, you can walk in, walk around, get whatever you want. Um, but, uh, but there is the, the complexity of, of scheduling and, uh, you know, the building friendships in the first place to have someone to schedule with. Right. And, uh, and I, I just wonder, I, I think a lot these days about the prevalence of like loneliness in our culture and, uh, and how often that's, that's attached to like, you know, 
what we're seeing with mental health, you know, um, being more and more of a of an issue on college campuses. And in my mind, I just think of eating meals with others as a way to combat that, you know, um, as a way to to build ties that give us joy in life and give us something to look forward to and bring laughter and make us slow down. And uh, I don't know, does any of that resonate with you, you know? Yeah, something that I notice is that eating food is necessary for everybody. Everybody has to do it. And it requires us to stop what we're doing in that moment and take care of our bodies. Um, it's we it's certainly something that we, that we can do while doing something else. But I think in the normal course of things, it's something that you stop what you're doing or in the, how it has been in the past historically, you know, back into the earliest days of civilization, you had to stop what you were doing. You had to take whatever buffalo somebody killed and you had to stop and cook it. It took a considerable amount of time and effort to get food and it required you to put other things off. And so I think that naturally um, it gives, it allowed for conversations and for community to develop and flow from that. And I think that's sort of, um, I think that's the bedrock of civilization. And I think things like fast food and Uber Eats have divorced um that communal aspect from food by replacing it with this convenience that you don't actually have to take time out of your day. It's not something that you have to stop what you're doing to do anymore. And it's, I think that's very damaging. I think it's hurtful. And in short, um, Uber Eats is the pitfall of human civilization. Hot take right there. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Yeah, so food like connects us to um, it connects us to others. That's the obvious one, but it also connects us to the world around us. We think about the thing that we're eating and how it came from somewhere, you know, and how um, something you know often died so that we could eat it, right? And uh, and so when we all of a sudden just are able to be handed a meal that we didn't have to prepare and that we didn't we don't know where it came from. Um, it just all of a sudden is here kind of magically, then uh, we're being um, cut off from sort of thinking about the impact. Uh, yeah, what am I trying to say? All, all the things that led us to this point, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, and so, uh, and, and what's being prioritized and said is efficiency, is speed, is convenience. And uh, and it really does something to us if we if we keep doing this over and over again. Yeah. It isolates us from, from not only from those around us, but also from the world itself. It really does make us feel as though we are self-sustaining, I think, in that sense. Yeah. So, Clay, I'm going to go back to your uh, comment earlier. You said that uh, we easily think of food as just fuel, right? It's just something we need. We've got to get calories so we don't die. You know, we got to get something in our body. So if, if the food is not just fuel, what is it? Big question. Ooh, that's a good theological question. Um, there is there there is something profound, and Madison Grace, jump in at any point on this. I'd love to hear a religion major's opinion. Is there is something <laughs> there's something profound about eating? Um, it is kind of odd that um, you know one of the ordinances Jesus gives is eat the Lord's supper. Like why why eat? I mean, I think it's it's there is something to it that food is not fuel, but an opportunity um, to be the foundation of relationship with others. Hmm. We, we basically, uh, we become 
a meal becomes an opportunity to be present to other people, to uh, to hear what's going on in their life, to uh, to listen, to uh, to connect, to laugh, to love each other, um, and those are things that can happen in other spaces, but don't as easily happen anywhere else as they do except around a meal. So you know, yeah, let's reflect a little more on like uh, what else. Is it about a meal that helps just form relationships? So <clears throat> this is this is going back just a little bit um, to Clay's point about the theology of food. Um, but I think also we look into the Old Testament, we look into the Jewish feast, and even you know present Orthodox Jews that still keep their feast and whatnot. Um, it was a way to look back and to remember what the Lord has done, mm. um, which you this is what Jesus said, you know, do this in remembrance of me. And I think this is what we see in the Old Testament. So yes, food is good for us and it's a fun time to sit around and connect with others, but also connect with something deeper, especially like in a religious standpoint. Um, when we sit around specifically with other, you know, like-minded Christians or on a Sunday after church, we can reflect on the sermon or what the Lord is doing in our life, um, which is not necessarily what the food provides us, but where the setting takes us. Mm, yeah. I love the passage in uh, Luke 24 after Jesus has, you know, risen from the dead and he's on the road uh, to Emmaus, you know, with these these two guys who are like talking. It's kind of a comical <laughs> scene because Jesus just kind of saddles up next to him and he's like, hey, what are y'all talking about? And they're like, oh, do you hear this Jesus guy like rose from the dead? And they're like, wow, that's crazy, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and they like, don't recognize him at all. And then they get to where they're going and they, you know, ask him to come inside and to share a meal with them. And they sit down and, it, and the text says that they, they break bread. And when they break the bread, all of a sudden their eyes are open and they, they begin to realize that it's Jesus who is in front of them, that he's the one that has been with them the whole time that they've been talking about. And so um, it's almost like there's this food has this power, this ability to reveal um, things about God to us, things about ourself, um, that when we create the time and space to, to gather around a table that um, that something almost supernatural happens mm -hmm. and we find connections that we would have never otherwise known. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's something, something mysterious about food. I'll go ahead and say it. There is food is mysterious um, and that we eat it, but when we eat it with others, it's just something different than eating it by yourself. And it's also different than just sitting around with others. Like a game night is very different than a barbecue. Um, and I, I can't put my finger exactly on why other than that. I think there's something mysterious in the power of a shared meal together. Mm. Yeah. I think that on Clay's point of a game night is different than a barbecue. I think being around a table together forces us to focus into one another game night you you focus on the game or if it's another activity you can focus on whatever you're looking at and you don't really have to pay attention to the other person but being around a table people tend to you know put up their phones or put up whatever they're working on and they have to focus in on each other and make those connections yeah yeah that's really good yeah so this practice that we the way we framed it at the beginning was you know one meal per week with others although you know i think you know really what we're going for here, it was more of a, hey, uh, one meal per week with others in the church community, right? You know, because hopefully more than once a week, you're eating a meal with other people. You know, <laughs> if, if you're eating, you know, what is that, 21 meals a week, if you're eating 20 by yourself, 
and one with others, I'm not calling that a success, you know. It's kind of sad. Right, you know, uh, I think we, you know, maybe more like one a day with others is is more of a, a, a good goal. But in terms of framing this for within, you know, how we belong in community, in a church community, um, hey, uh, to have one meal per week is um, is a good opportunity. And we've created some pathways this semester for people to do that, right? Um, and, you know, those are on, on Tuesday night and on and Friday night and or Sunday lunch. You know, there's no shortage of things. But then also there's there's the ability to uh, to go beyond that and to seek you know, certain people out. I always like to ask people, do you, uh, do you find yourself, do you prefer one-on-one settings, you know, with another person? Like, do you like to do those kind of meals with others or do you like more group settings or what's what's most life-giving for you? I think it depends on, this might sound really bad. We'll see. I think that sometimes it depends on the person that I'm with in the one-on-one. In your relationship that you have. Yeah, yeah. Um, Some people I'm much more comfortable getting a one-on-one with them. And other times I'd rather us just, you know, sit in a group and try to form community and uh, relationships there. So I think it depends. Um, I'm not sure that I can say one or the other. Sure. That's fair. Yeah. I do have a preference. I love big meals together. Like I love cooking and having people over. I love big big barbecues. I love crawfish boils. I love fish fries. I love frying up backstrap and bringing everybody over. Just because. Backstrap. Oh yeah, backstrap. It's uh the part. It's the part of a deer that runs along runs along its spine. It's the most tender <laughs> tender cut of meat on the deer. And oh. Baby, my family's got a great recipe. We slice it thin, batter it up, <laughs> fry it on the fry it on the stove, and oh man, your family it has is. a backstrap recipe. We have a backstrap recipe. It is, <laughs> it is. Oh my gosh, I won't say it's to die for because if I died, I wouldn't be able to enjoy it. But it is to kill for. So watch out. Um, <laughs> Sorry, dear. <laughs> <laughs> but oh baby. Anyways, but all that to say is, I love big meals because it makes everything just seem like a big event. And I think that's why feast days were so important in the Old Testament. And I think why they're still important now when you think about Christmas and Easter dinners or lunches, whatever your family does, is that um, they signify that something something big, something very important is going on um, in our lives and in the world around us. Hmm. That's cool. I respect that. I, I'm, so I'm more of a one-on-one guy, uh, I think. I uh, Group meals can be fun and they're great, but I, I like the... I find that like one-on-one gives me the potential to deepen relationships, you know, and that um, there are certain things, questions that I, I love to like ask people questions about their life and just ways that can help help me get to know them better. And, um, and I feel like a lot of the things that I would maybe ask in a one-on-one setting don't really work in a group setting, you know, uh, because it's just more, you know, there's more of a individual connection that you're forming. And so, um, and so, uh, yeah, I, uh, I love a f- big, fun, lighthearted meal, but I, I thrive off of like the depth of like quality, <laughs> you know, one-on-one conversation. Yeah. And so um, that's where I'm at. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but what what are your uh, what are your habits like in these days in your life of meals with others? Like, what are your rhythms that you've you've cultivated? <clears throat> Let's see. So, in my own life, I make it a point to eat lunch every Sunday here with the college ministry. Um, I think we talked about earlier about the importance of eating uh, a meal together with the body of believers. And I think we offer a great opportunity that every Sunday. Um, And I think that's a very life-giving part of my week doing that. 
Um, and we also offer Tuesday dinner. Um, Which you coined, by the way. Yes, I, I'd like to take credit for that. Tuesday on Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday on Tuesday. Um, and I thoroughly enjoy going and hanging out with people in uh, P Classy, the best dining hall on campus. Um, Allison Grace is giving him a blank stare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, look, I spoke the truth. That's my hot take for another day. Um, but it gets harder whenever I go home because used to be what my roommates and I would do is we would have somebody would cook for the rest of us um, one night out of the week. And um, that was great. But then people got busy. I'm the only one who graduated and now has nothing on his hands. And so they've all been occupied with thesis, with other work and it's um, so going home. It is harder for me to eat meals with others. I tonight I will more than likely eat a bowl of macaroni and cheese by myself. But you live with what you it have. Happens. It, it happens. It happens. Yeah, yeah. That, but you have rhythms of uh, seeking out those times with others, and they're they're important to you. And you're you're absolutely week to week. That's cool. What about you, Mass and Grace? Yeah. So I was thinking about it, and honestly, kind of Sunday lunch through Friday dinner are usually spent or at least dinners at least, are spent um, with other college students from the college group. Um, so usually dinners are either that's um, like the daily gathering that we have that day, such as Tuesday or Wednesday, we go together after Bible study. So they take on a little bit different form, um, but usually it is with First Waco students. My lunches are kind of up for my own choosing of other, you know, friends that are not at the church. Um, but usually I'm at least probably like two meals a day with people, um, yeah. different groups. Yeah. You seem to thrive off of that. Like you, like it's something you look forward to. You know? I do like eating meals with people. Yeah. 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 Mac house, you know, I yes. know you're a fan. Yes. So. Mm. Yes. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Clay, you could have Mac House tonight. You're going to go eat mac and cheese yeah, at Yeah, I am. You know? I am. Okay, <laughs> Mac House is great, but Annie's white shell or, ch or yeah, shell pasta and white cheddar mac and cheese, oh, baby. Knock your socks off. I just I just disagree with your food takes. With Annie's <laughs> mac and cheese? What are you going to eat? Craft? No, I have standards. I'm going to make my own. Or go to Mac House. Or go to Mac, mac House. house. Now, mac House. I hear, I hear it calling my name tonight. <laughs> it calls my name every night. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I know that for me, like in college, um, again, just being able to like when I did have a meal plan was just huge to, uh, uh, I, I tried to like make it a, a habit of like really not going by myself is like, you know, um, you have to kind of plan in advance, but you know, Hey, what are you doing tonight for dinner? And you know, you kind of have the rounds of people that you're going through and checking with. And, and, uh, I think that those of us who, uh, think that we don't have time for these kind of things or often in my experience, the people that need it the most, you know, that need the break, that need the, uh, the, their, their brain to have to work in a different direction. And so, um, yeah, it's the challenge is like, you know, start eating with other people and your life will be, will be better for it in all the ways that we're, we've mentioned. Um, are there other benefits of, of eating that we could identify? Yeah. So one thing that I think would be helpful if you're trying to figure out, like, how do I fit in time for meals with other people? If you're feeling pressed for time, I would recommend like coffee or if you're a fan of tea, going to like, you know, your local HTO or whatever. Um, those don't have to be, you know, long outings, but when they're done with other people, um, I think it kind of provides 
a segue maybe into this practice. Coffee or tea can be 15 minutes or it could be, you know, two hours, whatever you want to make it. Or, um, so I think, I know that's not a meal and coffee should never be your only meal of the day. But if you're struggling to get into this practice, I would recommend something, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's really helpful. I also think that, uh, that meals are an opportunity to be inclusive, um, to those beyond just like the people that instantly come to mind in your world. Um, you know, they, uh, there are opportunities to, uh, to, to help people who don't have places of belonging to, to feel comfortable and to build relationships. And so if you have a circle of people that maybe you're used to eating with, um, you know, sometimes, um, there's a good opportunity to try to grow that circle and to say maybe who doesn't have options or, um, or, you know, he doesn't have, you know, the kind of relationships that they could have and to extend an invitation, um, and, you know, grow the circle a little bit larger. Uh, and so that's, it's really what we're talking about here is hospitality, you know, and that can happen in a dining hall, but it can also happen in your neighborhood. You know, when, when you live somewhere else one day is just this practice of, uh, you know, Justin early in his book talks about how, um, you know, Hey, Tuesday night or whatever it is, like, we, we cook dinner for the family and, you know, we try to leave an open chair or two just for, you know, if there's somebody that we run into or feel like we need to invite, we can do that. And, and so, um, there's something really powerful about, uh, meals as, as hospitality that I think, um, kind of in this ever enlarging circle. Yeah. Yeah. I think one important thing to keep in mind is that, um, is that at every table, there's always room for another chair. Um, I think that's, I think the nature of a meal, like like you said, is it's in, it's designed to be inclusive. It's designed to be, you know, ever expansive. Um, a lot of great ministry happens at yeah. the dinner table. Uh, I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind. You know, oh, sorry. Oh, I was gonna say, um, y'all bringing up kind of hospitality and ministry happens at the table. It's another book, but um, it's called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. I don't know mm. if y'all have read it I'm or all familiar. With it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she talks about how opening up that, I think maybe she talks about like they actually leave their door open at mealtime. So mm. if anybody's like passing by, I think, Radical. don't, please don't quote me on that, but I want to say that's what she does. Um, but she, Rosaria Butterfield, who wrote it, was instrumental i think in changing kind of my view of a meal and that it mm. is a place of hospitality and ministry and it's not just me and my three friends but it's me and my three friends and whoever else we see that might need a place at the table yeah and i think something like that um will help break down um certain ideas that we have in friendship in college i know um one of the great temptations is to find your people in college. At least it was, it was for me. Um, and it's kind of like the song of the opening on of cheers. You want to go where everybody knows your name, you know, everybody wants to find, find their crowd. And C.S. Lewis talks about this as, um, there's always a temptation in every interaction is to form an interring, to have an identity by exclusion. And it is good to have your people, but I think this idea of the table as a place where people gather together in community is that community can never and should never be exclusive. There always ought to be room for someone else to come and join you. Otherwise, it ceases to be community and it becomes a clique. Mm. 
That's really good. Uh, one of the things that Justin Early talks about in his book is how uh, he says he says atheism today is less of a argument and more of a mood, and uh, it's so secularism has has a certain mood about it. And what, what he's really what he's really getting at here is that um, that if you are thinking about people in your life who don't know Jesus, you know that oftentimes what in 2022, what helps people uh, become more open to the presence of God in their life is not really even an argument, you know, that you're like, oh, well, you think ABC and here's why that's wrong and here's why DDEF is true instead. That That's that's a tough path in 2022. Um, but what people often need is to learn to, to trust a Christian, he says, um, and how meals in the table are the place where where this where this so easily happens, you know, and it's so funny how you can sit down uh, with a group of people um, who love each other and care about each other and just be kind of mesmerized by the beauty of it, and you want to you're drawn in and you want to belong, you know, and what these people have at the center of them is is Jesus holding them together and. It's funny how like that's not at all a logical or rational sort of you know approach. This is not apologetics, you know, in the way that we usually think about it. But uh, how God often works in people's lives through um, through through beauty, and they're drawn to Him by experiencing a beautiful community. And uh, the meal and the table is where we get to create that kind of community. And as we're able to include others and have them uh, be drawn in. Um, you know, I think he makes a strong case that uh, God is going to change people's lives, and he's going to, um, t- the appetites will be wet in order for the kingdom of God. Um, and maybe that's, maybe hospitality is actually a lot more of what evangelism looks like mm-hmm. in 2022. Um, and I, that's something I think a lot about these days. How does, how does that strike you? I think that's incredibly well put. Um particularly that it's the it's the beautiful community with Jesus Christ at the center and we one of the places we see that enacted is at the dinner table um, I think that's all put I think of passages um, in the Bible or it's it's taste and see that the Lord is good or when the Lord calls on Israel and says open wide your mouth and I will fill it with good things um, that this that God wants to be present and active in people's lives, and he wants to be with them. Um, and there's no logical argument to say, ah, this is what it's like, but it's, no, just come taste and see. Come see what it's like. Live the life for a little bit. Mm. Come join me at the table. Mm. And I think that's a, f- a phenomenal way to really impact someone's life. Mm. At the end of John chapter 1, uh, Jesus is calling the disciples and uh, don't remember which one he's calling at this particular moment. You'll have to go look it up. But, but, uh, but his message to one of them is, uh, "Come and see." You know, uh, and I think that's just such interesting, striking language. Is like, uh, it's an invitation. Come check it out for yourself. I'm not here to convince you, to persuade you, to uh, tell you all the ways that you can't be wrong and I must be right. Uh, come and see for yourself. And I think that's what we get to do at the table. All right. Well, I think that wraps up our discussion on eating one meal together with a week. I think uh, I want to thank you all for giving and providing great conversation, great insights. This has been a really fruitful discussion. No pun intended. Um, (laughs) 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 Um, But yeah, until 
Until next week, eat together, live together, vibe together. Vaya con Dios. Adios. Alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon. You're good to go. Good, because that's just not as far as I know. (laughs) I don't know what comes next.